When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call Podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And my partner in crime is always right beside me here, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing good, Michael. Always excited to talk football. Oh, always. Now, as part of our off-season series on the Curtain Call here, we bring in a special guest, uh, breaking down uh, draft prospects from across the league. So tonight... Uh, from Touchdown, Alabama, it is Patrick Dowd. Patrick, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm great, Michael. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Oh, it's our pleasure having you. So not to waste any time here, we can uh, we can dive in on a player, uh, I suppose, uh, the Steelers probably have no hope of landing. But uh, I still want to ask about Evan Neal, uh, one of the uh, most dominant offensive linemen, you can say, uh, in college football a year ago, a, a surefire top five pick potential first overall pick. Uh, can you break down his game a little bit for us and what makes him so special? Well, I mean, if if you were going to start a man in my player or whatever and put him at offensive tackle, I think he'd look a lot like Evan Neal. I mean, when you describe an NFL-ready offensive tackle in terms of just his physical ability, I mean, he's he fits the bill. And, you know, when he first arrived at Alabama, he was an immediate starter. He started a guard, moved to right tackle, then shifted over to left tackle this past season. So he's very versatile in that aspect. So, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Jaguars to want him with the first overall pick, especially considering their struggles on the offensive line this past season and wanting to protect Trevor Lawrence. So I think he's a perfect fit for them wherever they want to play him. Now, last year, Alabama put several offensive linemen into the NFL. Uh, Alex Leatherwood struggled a bit at center, uh, tackle, moved to guard. Landon Dickerson had a phenomenal season uh, for Philadelphia. Last year when we were at this point, we were talking, and uh, we were like, man, these guys, like Alabama has this offensive line, and these guys are coming out, and Evan Neal is like so much better than them. Uh, On film, watching the games, he stood out so much. Did he improve this year? Where did he grow as a player, or, or is he just kind of, was already capped out. Well, I mean, I think, well, to be fair, I think he still has a little bit of room to grow in terms of the pass blocking, but this guy, he, I mean, he's always been a dominant run blocker. And so I think he's ready in that regard, but I think, in, I think he still has some room to grow. I think he gets on his toes a little bit in the pass rush. He gets beat. He, he got to get away a little bit, but I think, I think that he still, he still has a ceiling to go to reach for. One more question on Neil for me. I'm just curious, if, if, is he the kind of guy that changes your franchise, makes your team better moving forward? Is this the guy that you need to have on your team? I mean, if you're the Jaguars, I think so. I guess I think it's a t- it, I, when, it, when you look at all these NFL drafts, it's always a team-by-team basis. And I think that the Jaguars can't they, – they need – I think they almost need to prove to Trevor Lawrence that they want to invest in him. I mean – 
because he was the first overall pick last season. I think, and again, it was ugly at times for him on the offense with the off dealing with that offensive line. So I think that he is in inter- I think he kind of is can't miss for them with that number one pick. Now, last year, the Steelers obviously took Najee Harris in the draft. He worked out incredibly well for us, despite running behind a really bad offensive line by the by about the midpoint of the season there. And that brings me to Brian Robinson Jr., who has also, like Najee Harris, had a great uh, offensive line to run behind. And Robinson's obviously, he's not put up in the first round like you're not seeing him drafted, like mocked in the first round like Najee was. Uh, how does he compare to Najee Harris as as a running back with what he did at Alabama and also his skill set? Well, I think they're both very physical runners of the football. I mean, Brian Robinson's a guy who's going to seek out contact, and Najee Harris, like, I mean, you saw this past season, even dealing with a, a little bit of a below-average offensive line, he was taking some big hits and move, and just kept going. I don't think he missed a game this season, even though he had about like, almost 400 touches total between carries and receptions. So I think in that regard, they're both very physical players. Brian Robinson isn't nearly the athlete that Najee is, and, I mean, that's – I mean, no one, no one really is is as is as athletic as Najee Harris is at the running back position. So I think they're both very physical running backs, and I think Brian Robinson, I think he'll be able to carve out a role in the NFL, whatever that is, and to, maybe he's a second running back on a team. But I think he can be an effective player in the right situation. So with Brian Robinson, uh, would an ideal fit for him kind of be something along the lines of like a power back, short yardage? Uh, what what's his ideal usage at the next level? Yeah, I think probably a power back, maybe like a Latavius Murray kind of role, maybe a second kind of, maybe just a secondary running back to give your first guy a rest. I mean, I think I think that that's probably where he's projected to be, like as of right now. Was he much of a receiver at all? Like, did he participate much in the passing game? So he was kind of forced to at the end of the season because Alabama's running backs room was decimated with injuries by the end of the year. So he was kind of had to step up and be a receiver and be in that role later on in the year. And I think he he did pretty good for what he was asked upon. So it's not like it's it's not necessarily something that it's it's a huge factor in his game, but he can do it if he if he if if, if he's put in that position. Now, transitioning outside a little bit here, uh, I want to get to uh, some of the receivers as well. Um, I I don't know how likely uh, it is the Steelers go in a wide receiver direction, especially in the first round, especially as Alabama's been churning out these uh, first-round wide receivers lately. Um, Jameson Williams, uh, kind of first name that uh, jumps to mind, uh, to me at least. Um, Can you break down his game, kind of compare him to uh, some of the receivers that we've seen in uh, the last few years of drafts, if he's comparable to – any of the other former Alabama wideouts uh, now in the NFL? Well, in terms of former Alabama wide receivers, he's built a lot like Jerry Judy, but I would he's got another notch to his speed, as as everyone has seen this past season. He really is a game wrecker in that regard, where you almost have to you almost have to put a safety above him at all times to even to just take him away in that aspect. So I don't really I don't really know if there's a direct comparison I can come up with off the top of my head, but I mean, he's worth the first round hype. He's worth, he's worth, even with the, the the knee injury, I mean, he's worth considering to be the first receiver taken off the board. Where do you see him lining up in the NFL? Do you think he fits best at like a X receiver where he's out in space and has more room to work? Or is he, is he best in the slot and in the Z position where he's like 
working crosses and and using picks and things like that and, and going deep more? Well, they use them in a lot of ways at Alabama. I think, yeah, I think crosses over them. I think uh, having to run crosses over the middle was really successful. I mean, I know there's a there's a highlight against Georgia where he caught a 15 yard pass and just split the safeties and was just gone. So, yeah, I think he can go pretty much anywhere. Maybe his ideal spot is kind of working that in those inside crossing routes. So. You mentioned the crossing routes. I think one of the players the Steelers need to find um, is someone that's taking the top off the defense, someone that the safeties are going to uh, start really having to back up and worry about. Uh, if for whatever reason, the Steelers made a play for Williams or, heck, even John Mechie. Um, what, uh, is that a role that uh, could be filled by either of these guys, or should they be looking elsewhere? No, I think so. I mean, Williams, obviously, I think will add a whole new dimension to their offense, especially with the, with the threat of being the deep ball receiver. I do. Th- I think Mechie, John Mechie, that is, he is, I think he's very well-rounded. I think he could, this past season, he had a kind of playing in a different role right now, Alabama's offense, catching those 10 to 12-yard passes, just moving the chains. But, I mean, in his 2020 season, he was taking the top off the defense as well with the deep with uh, deep passes and whatnot. So I think he's a very complete receiver. I think I think they're both would be excellent choices for any team in the next level. Now, John Mechie had a lot of a lot of hype kind of building before his his injuries. Uh, do you think he can be a number one receiver on our team, or do you think his best bit, like you said, where he's like a really well rounded, complimentary kind of guy? That, that just makes your receiving core better, but maybe he isn't the number one guy. Well, the thing is, it's the, you know, he, it's the, uh, you know, constant, it's the whatever traditional saying, he's good at a lot of things, maybe not great at one thing. So in that respect, I think he maybe is a number two guy, but I think he could turn into a really, really excellent number two play receiver. Okay. Now, kind of moving on here as well I I think one of the more realistic names for the Steelers especially for need and uh kind of pick range Christian Harris um I I think he's someone that uh, could potentially be someone the Steelers have their eye on maybe late in the first round if they were to trade back I I don't know if he's necessarily a top 20 pick but who knows through the rest of this draft process could be someone there for in the second round what are the kind of strengths to his to his game and uh, would he be someone that uh, could uh, really make an impact uh, sticking the run in the NFL or uh, putting a foot in the dirt and turning around and running with the tight end? Well, I think he absolutely can play in the NFL. I'm not sure if he's going to be a, I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to be a first round pick, but if you were to ask me last season, I wouldn't have told you, I thought Alex Leatherwood was a first round pick, but he went, he went right in there with the, with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So who knows, but I think Christian Harris, I think he, he he's a he I think he'll be a little bit of a maybe developmental player in the sense of he he I think he struggled a little bit in the past this in the defending the past early in this season. So I think he has some work to go there. But I mean he like like not like Najee Harris and the Steelers, he is an explosive athlete, especially in the run game. I mean, when he's right, he is he's a bullet back there. So I think in that in that regard, I think he I think he could be a really good run defender for for whoever decides to pick him. How is he uh, – I, I know this is probably a hard evaluation because of Alabama's defensive line, uh, but did he ever have much instances where he was taking on offensive linemen, uh, offensive line blocks, and and how did he do with that if, when he faced those? Well, I mean, with his speed, I think I think it, more often than not, he would kind of overrun the play a little bit and just get washed down the field. I mean, there's a – there's. 
you know, tech, the Texas A&M great, the Texas A&M game wasn't good for a lot of Alabama defenders, but I mean, especially, and Harris is one of those guys. I mean, they got burned a little bit early on in that run game and the pass. So I think if anything, it's him over anticipating. Now, I think the Steelers in this position, they need kind of a specific type of player. Someone that's a bit of a thumper, someone that if a linebacker gets into them, uh, they're not going to get overwhelmed by that, be able to shed a blocker, um, make an impact in that run game. Um, is he someone that can do that? Is he someone that has the ability to step in right away? Like uh, you mentioned, he, he's a deve- developmental piece. Uh, is he someone that uh, the Steelers could lean on right away, or is this a guy that needs a, a year or two before he is really ready? I mean, I think he might need a year or two, but but the best thing for him might be might just to be to might just be to get thrown into the fire and just deal with the NFL speed and NFL physical physicality. So I think, I mean, with all these with all these rookies, you never know who they're going to play. And I think the the best option may be to just play him right away, just to see what he's got. How is Harris as a blitzer, both in run and pass? Uh, I mean, that's one of that. I would say that's one of the strong suits of his game. Alabama really, uh, I think, especially in the postseason, and you can watch the Cincinnati game for this. I think they really made emphasis on putting pressure up the middle with him and other Alabama's other linebacker, Harry Toto. So, I mean, with his explosive ability in a linebacker position, I think blitzing is one of the strongest suits of his game. Uh, to move on here, I just want to make sure um, he is draft eligible here. Uh, Fedarian Mathis. Uh, is mm-hmm. he is so? What are the, the kind of strengths to his game? I know the Steelers are looking for probably some extra depth, someone that can develop into being a starter um, as their defensive line ages. Is he someone that's uh, like a five tech, someone that's outside, someone that can play nose tackle? Um, where does he kind of thrive inside uh, for that Alabama defensive line? Uh, he might. I think he might be a little bit more of a four three defensive tackle because he really is a good pass rusher up the middle. I'm not sure he has the size to be a traditional nose, but. I think he, I think like John Mechie is in respect to being a receiver. I think Federian Mathis is a very good, well-rounded defensive lineman. He made big run. He was made major impacts in the run game for Alabama this past season. And he's, he's a guy who, who can do things that don't show up in the stat sheet, whether it's just quarterback pressures or just taking on two blockers at once and freeing up someone else on the edge. So I think that he's a, he was a very well-rounded player. Yeah, as a, as a well-rounded player, do you think his strengths fit into, like, his play style? Is he more a play wrecker? Like, is he a guy who's going to get into your backfield and just mess up what you're doing? Or is he more of a, you know, he's he's going to read the play, see what you're doing, and, and react to it? And it's, you know, is he more versatile? Is he more, like, just put him put him in there and let him go forward and wreck stuff? I think he's, I think he's you know, a bit of both, really. Like I said, he's pretty well-rounded. So, I think he, I think waiting and developing an Alabama system because he's a guy who didn't play right away. He's someone who had to really work hard and earn his way into the rotation. So I think he has a lot of experience, game experience that will translate well to the NFL. So I do think that, I mean, he, I do think that he will be able to read uh, NFL offensive lines and adjust to that while still being that kind of that game record that teams will, will want to have on their defense. Do you think he's comparable to uh, any uh, former Alabama defensive lineman that uh, you that come to mind? Man, <laughs> I don't always love comparisons, but I oh, think okay. in terms of maybe just flying under the radar, maybe not necessarily the same type of player, but Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, is a fair comparison. Maybe someone who was overlooked over across his career, but can step in and be a starter right away like he was with the Giants when he was first drafted. But I do think they are a little bit better, a little bit different players 
in terms of his play style, but I think he'll have that similar impact where he kind of flew under the radar and, and once he gets to the NFL, he, he kind of sneaks up on you with his production. Now, last year, my, my draft crush was Christian Barmore. Uh, of everyone, Michael can tell you, I was constantly on the Christian Barmore bandwagon. Uh, do you think Vidarian Mathis can be that kind of player where, where Barmore went in the second round and then was one of the best interior defensive linemen out there? Uh, does he have a chance to be that level of player? Because I, I didn't even see that in Barmore. I thought he was going to take a year to be that good. Or, or do you think he's a player that's going to take a little bit to find his seasoning? So I don't know if he's going to have the ceiling that Barmore does that Barmore has because Mathis, you know, he spent he spent four years in the program, so he, who knows how much more he has to grow. But I think he can have that kind of impact where if you you, you pick him in the second round, he just like I said sneaks up on you with his production. But I mean, Christian Barmore, I mean, he was a little bit of a roll of the dice from the Patriots last season, and it really worked out for him. So I mean, it goes to show you if you just go to the right situation, it could all work out for you. Now, next player I want to bring up is uh, what Josh Joby. Josh Job. Um, Josh Job. Yeah. Job. Okay, we got up the second second attempt, but uh, yep. What's uh, what's what's kind of his style as a corner? Is he someone that thrives more in man to man, or is he someone that's a more of his own player? Oof. Well, I mean, Alabama primarily runs man to man defense, especially on the back end with Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban's specialty. And Josh Job's a very physical player, but it's gotten in, him into trouble, especially this past year. He was he was another guy who was kind of banged up in the back end, especially near the end of the year. But he led the team in penalties. He had seven penalties defensively, a lot of pass interference calls, especially in very untimely situations for Alabama's defense. And by the end of the year, he was dealing with a turf toe injury, and he did I, he just had surgery and just packed it in, didn't even play in the postseason. So he's someone who I think is a little bit hard to read in terms of where he will go or how good he'll be at the next level. But he's, he has the measurables to be good, but he's got to get a little bit more mature on, on the field. Yeah, How much do you think that injury hurt him? And uh, bef- before this season, what, what did he look like? Well, before the season, he was one of their most important players defensively because because he was somebody who was returning in the secondary. Alabama lost Patrick Sutan last year, so he was their next most experienced cornerback. So he was someone who was considered to be pretty relied upon in that back end. And you know, he got the, he suffered the turf toe injury at the midpoint of the year. It was just something that kind of just nagged on him the entire way. I mean, he just didn't really he just kind of underperformed in the back half of the season. So I think the turf toe did play a factor. Now, of all the Alabama draft draftable prospects, um, one of the things I know the Steelers kind of need, especially with the uh, retirement of Ben Roethlisberger, is more leadership. So I'm just curious, of all the prospects that are uh, draft eligible, who has the best leadership intangibles? I think Fidari Mathis does because he was one of Alabama's captains this past season, and he was one of their most tenured players and one of the most vocal players. And I think out of this group, he's, he's definitely the most vocal out of all of them. So I think he does have the best leadership qualities out of anyone that's drafted eligible on Alabama's side. I, I want to hit on uh, the other cornerback, Jalen Armour Davis, uh, who kind of was pushed into a bigger role uh, this season. How good is he? And is 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 he the better of the of, is he better than Josh Job? Like, would you would you draft him higher uh, than Josh Job, or do you, or do you think he's not quite the the same? ceiling of a player 
Well, Jalen Armand Davis was another guy who had to earn his way out of the field. This past year, he was Alabama's best best overall corner. I mean, he he did he was much more consistent than Job was, especially in the penalties. But he's another guy who's coming off an injury, had a hip injury that ended his season prematurely. He wasn't able to play in the postseason. But I think he I think he has potential to be a, a pretty solid NFL player in the back end. But the only thing that would be wary is that he has one full year of actually playing. So you're kind of rolling the dice there. But I think that he has he does have the potential to maybe have a little bit of a higher ceiling than Job. Now, Jeffrey, I know you had a, a pretty big list of prospects there. Uh, are, are there any other guys you want to uh, rattle out here and get some thoughts on? Uh, yeah, some of the some of the back end of the draft, undrafted free agent kind of class guys. Uh, Christopher Allen and uh, LeBrian Ray. Where where do you think those guys uh, fit on fit into the NFL? Well, I think first of all, I think Christopher Allen would be a steal for anybody, especially if, if he goes on drafting, he may be a guy who sneaks on your team and actually makes an impact because before going into this season, I mean, in the Miami game, he was a game wrecker as well. Having him and if Alabama had him and Will Anderson <laughs> rushing the quarterback, I mean, it could have been something even more dangerous than it was this season. So I think that he could be, he and he has the NFL body too. I think he's six three, six four. He can be a Patrick for the next level. So I think he has a lot of value as an undrafted free agent. And same with LeBron Ray. LeBron Ray could just never stay healthy throughout his entire career. But when he did play, he was effective. And Nick Saban would say all the time that when LeBron Ray is, when LeBron Ray is healthy, this front seven plays differently. So I think both of those guys do have some value in terms of being undrafted free agents or just late round selections. Jeffrey, are you satisfied with all the prospects we touched on? Excellent okay. stuff. Uh Patrick, before we let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, plug uh, any of your work or uh, just uh, let uh, the people know how they can uh, follow along and uh, learn more about you and uh, the Alabama prospects. Well, I mean, everyone can follow me on Twitter, uh, Pat Dowd, Pat underscore Dowd77 on Twitter. And uh, you can read all my work on touchdownalabama.com and all of our other great work in in terms of Alabama everyday coverage or Alabama recruiting coverage. We got it all over there. Great stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Dowd, thank you so much uh, for your time, sir. Yeah, anytime. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right. See ya. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, that uh, wraps things up for the Alabama portion of uh, our show here. Um, pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. You know, Alabama always has a ton of prospects coming out year after year. Uh, the Steelers, of course, uh, landing one in the first round last year. Najee Harris, the super telegraphed pick. Um, seems like the Steelers telegraph their first round picks often, but we, we might get into that in a moment here with uh, some of this combine uh, information coming out uh, these days. But uh, Jeffrey Benedict, do you expect another Alabama Crimson Tide to be a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers by the end of this offseason? Man, I'll tell you, a lot of them fit. Hmm. Uh, the, I don't expect a really high pick because most of them, like he said, are, are older. They're guys who are in the system a bit longer. But you, you look at a guy like a Jamison Williams, if he falls to the third round, he, he to me, uh, looks like a Deontay Johnson, but just all of his physical traits are better. Like, he has kind of that Deontay Johnson style of receiver, but he's faster. He's got better body control. He's taller. He's just, almost everything's better. John Metchie reminds me a lot of an Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Christian Harris, I, I think, is a really good fit if – if we go more of a Brian Flores front seven approach where you don't have quite as much coverage responsibility, I think he's a fantastic blitzer. Obviously like most linebackers, 
we need the defensive line in front of him to keep him clean. He's not he's not that guy. He's not Vince Williams. Those guys don't exist anymore. Uh, Christopher Allen, as a project, as a as a depth guy to bring in, man, I I could see the Steelers really doing well with him. I think he's got some pretty good upside as a even a rotational player, but a guy who could potentially develop into something. And and the way he's been overshadowed and overlooked, I I think you could get him late. Both both these cornerbacks could fit. We you know ever since Minka Fitzpatrick came on. We've been running more Alabama concepts. And Brian Flores comes from New England where they have close ties to Nick Saban. I mean, like, Alabama cornerbacks would make sense for the Steelers. Either of these guys fall far enough, you, you could see them end up there. And and really, uh, a guy like a LeBron Ray is just a – he reminds me of an Isaiah Bugs. You know, a guy you get late and maybe he gives you some value for, you know, for a couple of seasons or could turn into something even better. I – I like a lot of Alabama's players if they hit the middle rounds, like the, the third, fourth round guys, even fifth round guys, I, I think could be good pickups. Uh, and and their, their bottom of the roster depth, the guys that fall really late in the NFL draft, tend to be better simply because they're still good athletes. They're still good players who are just on a team where they were overshadowed by, you know, all the other talent. So I, I think I think there's a really good chance we could see another Alabama prospect this year. Yeah, and just the way that program is built, they they send a dozen guys to the le- the league every single year. So yeah. the likelihood is, is a lot higher than most teams. But kind of getting into some of the Steelers news here, um, it's been an interesting week. Of course, we're starting off the combine, uh, not not the running portion yet, but uh, a lot of the interviews. Uh, Kevin Colbert was at the podium. A number of players were at the podium. One of the things that was interesting to me, and really a lot of people in general, uh, a lot of the quarterbacks being asked about uh, whether or not they've talked to the Steelers, pretty much overwhelmingly all of them had said yes. Um, if it wasn't obvious before, the Steelers are definitely doing their due diligence at the quarterback position. Uh, and once again, it still seems like the Steelers are madly in love with Malik Willis, uh, the quarterback from Liberty. I'm sure we're going to have to break down that school at some point and talk about their one prospect, but uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, are the Steelers, is this a problem? If Malik Willis somehow makes it past like pick 16, it, do the Steelers have to trade up because of how obvious they've made it uh, that they want this player? Um, like, what's the deal with this now? Well, the Steelers obviously really like Malik Willis, but, but it kind of reminds me of when the Steelers really were like, Everyone remember should remember at least Mike Tomlin and Lamar Jackson. Like Tomlin loved Lamar Jackson, but we didn't take him. We had the twenty eighth pick. He went only a few picks later to Baltimore. Uh, so I, I do think the Steelers really like Willis, but I don't think they would trade up for him. Not with the draft capital we have this year. Uh, I, if he falls, I think they grab him. But like you said, they've interviewed almost every quarterback out there they are definitely doing putting in their work so i i don't know what they have a, if they where their preference lies i do know that they've shown a lot of attention to willis but he's also a guy from a smaller school where you kind of need to do more work on if you're going to evaluate you know how good is he going to be in the nfl you're going to have to do more work on him like liberty is smaller than like a max school like you know you, you kind of have to rate them below a max school in, in that terms so yeah, I, I think the amount of attention they've paid him and the amount of diligence they've done on him is is more where it's at than, you know, they really, really need to get him kind of a, attention. 
Gotcha. Now, yeah, like I mentioned, it's 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 one of those things that's just been interesting to say the least. Um, but yeah. uh, I guess the big kind of news of the day um, was that uh, the Steelers have, in fact, officially interviewed uh, Lewis Riddick, the ESPN analyst, uh, former NFL scout. Um, now, once again, uh, ESPN TV analyst uh, for the general manager job, something that was rumored to have happened a couple of weeks ago, but officially happened uh, here at the Combine. What are your thoughts on this? Um, is this uh, just kind of like a, a celebrity name? Is this someone that the players respect and that's why the Steelers are, are looking into him? Or are the Steelers just simply turning over every leaf? Well, they are interviewing a lot of names. Uh, but Riddick, Riddick is a good one. I, I think he's a valid he's a valid guy they're looking at here. Uh, not only, you know, his, his analyst time where he's shown to, he's, he's shown to be bet one of the better guys at projecting uh, talent. He filled the same role Kevin Colbert did when his days in the front office, he was a, a pro scout director, director of pro scouting, where you're, you're looking at NFL players and scouting other teams and other players, free agents, stuff like that. That's what Kevin Colbert did before the Steelers grabbed him for their GM. So I do think he's kind of a due diligence move where they are just seriously going on turning over every leaf to, to make sure they get the guy they really like, which also kind of tells me maybe they haven't found that guy yet. They haven't found a guy who stands out like Kevin Colbert did when they hired him. And so they're still looking. Uh, that That's kind of where Eileen is, is the rest of these guys. No one's blown them away probably. Uh, so Maybe Riddick's that guy. If if he's that guy, I mean, you have to you have to trust the process. Steelers have done pretty good hiring people. Yeah, I feel like if the Steelers really fell in love with the play, uh, excuse me, a, a general manager, they probably already would have pulled the trigger to some degree, and maybe necessarily have stopped all the first interview process because truly it is a grueling process, and uh, to do it over and over and over and over after you even found a guy just seems a bit ridiculous. So um, definitely, I. Definitely some smoke. They interviewed him for a reason. So who knows as the weeks go on and we inch closer to the draft, we might have some more clarity on finalists and a deal thereafter. Now, speaking about general managers, though, Kevin Colbert, of course, was at the podium, uh, what I believe uh, Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Um, one of the things that I found interesting in what he was talking about was Zach Banner and saying that he wants to see more out of him this year. To me, it was a clear cut candidate that Zach Banner is getting cut. <laughs> And here's uh, Kevin Colbert saying he wants to see more out of him this coming season. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I don't love the idea of bringing Banner back after how many injury issues he's had in consecutive years. And his price tag just doesn't seem to make any sense for me. Yeah, the price tag and his injuries kind of line up to make him an obvious cut. Uh, but the question is, do the Steelers, if the Steelers want him and if they, if they think he is, a guy that, that could come in and really help the offensive line if he's healthy. Do, do you pay him just to, to keep him for that? I mean, I know they really like him, and his one game he's played for the Steelers, he looked good. But it was not even a full game, right? It was, like, not a full game of action. What was that? Uh, the Giants. Last year, the first game of the season, he played, he played a decent chunk of the game, and he looked good. But that's... You know, that's that's a year, that's almost two years ago. How much value are we putting in that? Uh, so I, I don't get it. I, I don't see the economics of it making sense. I can understand wanting him to get healthy and to see if he can be the player he looked like he was trending towards. Uh, but he's not young. 
right? He he kind of was hitting what should have been his peak years when when he was developing the Steelers and getting the chance to start. And now now we're all we're gonna be two years after that, and he hasn't played. He's just been hurt. I can't imagine he's grown much as a player and gotten better over two years of not playing. So I, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to see the Steelers keeping him at that price ballot tag. Maybe they can renegotiate something, you know, maybe turn it into a longer deal. I don't I don't know how, how that would work, but you can't pay him that much. No, the, the easy move is the cut. Really, yeah. it, it really is. Um, but another thing that was kind of perplexing that Kevin Colbert said, to me at least, was – uh, talking about Najee Harris saying like he had a good rookie year, but it wasn't the start that Najee Harris envisioned to the season. To me, what's interesting here is that's possibly when Najee Harris is running his hardest, arguably making better decisions at the better of the year, at, at the beginning of the season. Problem was the offensive line was pitiful to the nth de- degree. It, w- it was the worst version of the Steelers offensive line all year long. The first half of the year, it, it progressively got better not much better, but uh, it was uh, it was not good at the beginning of the season. To me, I, I'm a little worried that the Steelers aren't going to be all in on fixing this offensive line as they hope they should. That, that's kind of how I'm taking it, like th- that they might have a little bit more belief in these guys, especially with the comments about Banner. Kind of makes me sick to my stomach a little bit. I, I If they come back with basically the same offensive line, ugh, that, that, that's, a, that's a pie in the face of uh, any player personnel person. So... Jeffrey Benedict, do you think this is possible? And uh, what would your reactions be if the Steelers uh, did, took a, a very small uh, approach to fixing the offensive line? I, I That's the side I said they're going to be on. I was like, I don't think they're going to make all these moves. And you were like, but they have to. They have to. This line is awful. And I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with you, Michael. The line was awful. I just don't think the Steelers see the solution as just a wholesale swap out of talent I, I think they see it as you know get a different coach in there and develop these guys and give them that old college try you know they're working hard let them let them let them do give, give, give them a shot you know give these guys give Kendra Green another shot you know like I think that's where the Steelers are going to end up on this they don't they don't do that they don't go big and big they, changes oh, I that's why I'm really hoping they go for one big guard. Like they get that other guard spot just locked down. Because if you've got Dotson and you've got another top level guard, the other guys don't have to be quite as good, but still they need they need it. It's still in my mind, like a passive approach, a lesser approach to this offensive line is bringing in two starters. Oh yeah. Like you've got to at least bring in two guys to start. That's minimum. You really have mind. two guards right now. You don't have two guards. Trey Turner's gone. You don't have two guards right now. I hope they're not bringing back Turner. I hope they're going for a bigger name than that, like a bigger, bigger move than that one. And you still got to, either a tackle or center. Someone, someone else has got to be upgraded, definitely. So for me, minimum of two players. But I, I'm not certain the Steelers even are going to go that far. I can see them being like, yeah, we'll get a, we'll get another guard in a mid tier range and. We'll, we'll see if, you know, we'll try and re-sign Chuk Sakura for it and see if Kendrick Green can improve. If they did that, I, oh man, I like that's pitchforks <laughs> and like, and torches. Like, how could you possibly <laughs> do that to yourself? Like, I, I really, I, I would hate that so much. Like, even one starter, if they, if they splurge and got the best guard on the market, whoever you may think that is, 
yeah. the offensive line would still be bad. Like it's still like yeah. it would be great. Like like if we're talking and they they don't draft anyone especially high. Like we're talking Dan Moore Jr. Ho- hoping he improves more. Kevin Dotson who's had his issues uh, staying healthy and staying uh, in shape. Uh, Kendrick Green who I honestly think is awful and like I know a lot of people think oh just switch him to guard. I I think you switch him to the bench and eventually switch him to being cut. Or you just move on from him. Maybe try to trade him for a seventh because someone would, would bite. Like, honestly, that's my opinions of him. I, I don't think he's an NFL talent. The right guard, there's there's the guy you spent all your money on. That That's all good. And then your right tackles banner or if you also re-sign Chooks for Like, it, to me, it's just that that's still one of the worst offense line in football. Even if you sign the best guard in free agency, that, that's, it's not like one guy's enough, two guys. To me, two guys is borderline not enough there either. Like to me, I feel like they need to find three starters this offseason. If they can't get that yeah. done, they are making a massive mistake. Now, Jeffrey Benedict, uh, around thirty million dollars of total cap space right now. The Steelers aren't spending it on the offensive line. Where the heck are they spending this cash? Because they have they have to do stuff. The, like there's too many holes in the roster not to spend money. Just, I mean, re-sign Joe Hayden, right? As much as I love Joe Hayden, that would be. Oh, man. I was, would, oh. I was a, trade for a quarterback, right? Go get Jimmy G. What's what's even the point? Like, like as much, <laughs> like as much Jimmy as G behind this offensive line, it would be hilarious. Well, Jimmy G are, also awesome. has injury problems as it is. He, he needs shoulder yeah. surgery. If they make that deal and they don't fix the offensive line, the poor guy's gonna be out before the preseason's yeah. over. As well that's as a, that's a, as well as Rudolph that's a trade and for Haskins. Mason and, Rudolph. That's yeah, a trade okay. to keep Mason Rudolph the starter, right there. <laughs> Bring in Jimmy G so Mason Rudolph can start. Sean Manhattan puts $5 in the tip jar. Says Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl when he had Jamal Lewis and Priest Holmes. We need a backup running back. I do agree we need a backup running back. Um, but one thing I would mention there is the Ravens defense in 2000 was one of the greatest of all time uh, units. Uh, just an absolutely uh, nutty defensive unit. Heck, Rod Woodson uh, playing safety, still an absolute stud. Uh, yeah, it was a great team. But I, I don't think you win championships uh, in football anymore with sub-average quarterback play. I, I just don't think it's possible in today's game. Football in 2000 is not the same. It's not the same game in 2022. It is a different game. Yeah, like I will. Can, go ahead. I will go in and say I do agree with the fact that we need a second running back. Oh yeah, we we do. We do need a second running back. And to me, there's there's two ways to do that. One is to go the Michael Beck route. And, and find three starters on the offensive line that are upgrades. Because if you do that, then maybe Benny Snell's okay. You know, maybe those guys are all right. Uh, but I, I, I want to see, I want to see a, a good running back. I'd like to see one drafted later or free agent. I don't care how they get them. You need someone to come in there with Najee uh, and spell him. I like that our offensive line coach everywhere he's worked. That's kind of how they went. They went to more of a two back approach with their, Lead guy still making the making the Pro Bowl. He had multiple backs make Pro Bowls with significantly fewer carries than they had in the years surrounding his tenure at the team. If you could do that with a Najee Harris, you know, give him give him you know 70, 80 fewer carries, and he ends up averaging five yards a carry and still and makes the Pro Bowl. That's a win. That's an absolute win. And and if, if Benny Snell is averaging four yards a carry, fantastic. Run him. I don't I don't care. Uh, but if, if they can't turn the offensive line into like the 2004 Steelers offensive line, I do think they need a, a second running back who can actually play football. 
yeah, you have to be prepared for Najee Harris getting hurt. And it's really your fault at that point. Man, I like imagine Najee Harris behind a great offensive line. He'd be putting up stupid numbers, probably breaking yeah. Steelers records, possibly NFL records. Like, like that, with, that's what I generally see. With Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, you know, those guys, he he had we had 500 yard games. He was really starting to go, get something going until Dotson went down in that Detroit game and the line went from like not good to awful. Like, like they would have been like Nick Saban would have benched them. I think if you put those five in Alabama, they would have been ended up benched. Most of them. Yeah, like with Alabama depth, I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, like, obviously, yeah. they're they're better than college players, but like, I, I, I know what you're saying. If you're playing at that level, well, Kendrick Green, man. Yeah, Kendrick Green's bad. Ugh. <laughs> and and how much how much does it hurt? Like, I was looking up stuff and uh, and just seeing the reviews of like Landon Dickerson's rookie season. And like sitting there looking at Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, all those centers we were, and then the, they got Kendrick Green, and we're like, all right, we'll see what Kendrick Green does. And we saw. We, we were saw excited Kendrick about Green Kendrick Green do. at first because the Steelers, like before the draft, that 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 they always do their uh, Tomlin Colbert interview. Uh, they're like, oh, we really like the depth of this center class, and like right after we're like, oh, there's definitely like a name that we haven't thought of that the Steelers are in love with. Then they yeah. take Kendrick Green, and a lot of us were like, oh, we thought he was a guard. A lot more were like, who even is that? So it was like, oh, this is the guy the Steelers fell in love with. Okay, this might yeah. be a great pick. And the season started, and he was tr- trash. The snap, <laughs> the snaps are up here. Like, Ben Roethlisberger was incredible at catching snaps this past season. Yeah. Uh, you saw in the Detroit game that there was a fumble. Like, I honestly believe um, if things don't change, if he's a starter – um, with Mason Rudolph or whoever at quarterback, I bet you there'll be like at least one fumble like that per game where you lose 20 yards or it's a defensive touchdown going back the other way. Like, like I genuinely think it, like, like six it, it or snap- seven bad snaps over the season. Are you like, Oh yeah. It's going to be bad. Oh, I think it's going to be bad, bad. And speaking of uh, Kendrick green, uh, Sean Manahan puts another $5 in tip jar. Says KG. I'm assuming uh, Kendrick green couldn't handle the calls at the snap and then making plays. Someone else should have been doing the calls. Um, basically I was a center. It's hard to get anyone other than your center making those calls, especially in an NFL environment. You're the man in the middle. You can see the entire defense. If you're playing guard, it's hard to tell what shade, um, the, the guard on the opposite side of the field is facing. It's not easy to do it at the center spot, let alone when you're at a bad angle and you can't really tell what's going on. The center has to make those calls. And if you're not able to do it, you're probably not good enough to play that spot in the NFL, honestly. There's a lot of guys that do it in the NFL, by a lot. I mean 32. But uh, of those 32, they're, they're, you could argue that Kendrick Green was 32 of 32. Like, it, it was not good this year. My my biggest thing I saw with Kendrick Green is he seemed to struggle with delivering the snap and then getting up and into the defender, right? I thought that was his biggest problem. And I think that that kind of hurt his snaps as well as his blocking. Like both kind of fell apart when he was asked to do do the two at the once he could, he ended up not being able to do either. Is would you agree with that? Do you think that's something that can be fixed at this point? Like with with his age, how long he's been playing football, and considering he hasn't been a center for really that long, I don't know if it can be fixed because it's a fundamental issue. Like playing center, you got to snap and step. Your first step and the snap have to be instantaneous. But by the time the ball's like been released from your hand your first step should already be in the ground you should be working on your second step like it's just 
it's not acceptable not to have those that level of timing. Like Kendrick Green, like to a degree, was like, okay, now I got to snap the ball. Now I got to play football. And like that, that fraction of a second that it took for you to, to make that transition of mind, it's over. You've already lost the rep. You're already too far behind. It's an NFL athlete. You're not winning that rep. So, like, who knows? Maybe a change to guard could be enough. He's still extremely undersized and a lot smaller than what he's listed on the Steelers yeah. website. I know he's listed at like 6'4. Um, Pro day uh, measurements had him at like six foot, like closing in on six one. Uh, his arms are short. He's light. Like, yes, he's strong. I don't think he's getting any stronger, but his arms aren't getting any longer. He's not getting any taller. So again, there are fundamental issues with his game and the Steelers seriously need to address this offensive line in a big way. And right now it feels like they are not planning on doing that, which is worrisome. And oh boy, I hope. Uh, this gut feeling uh, after listening to some interviews uh, is wrong, but I think I can't wait till our post draft show when you have like a hockey, like the old school goalie mask on, and you have like torches in the background, and you're oh, like, yeah. "Here's my, here's my, you know, I'm, I'm hitchhiking to Pittsburgh. We're going, hey, we're going to ride." Hey, hey, I'm saying if like for a week in the free agency, if they haven't signed multiple offense linemen, I'd be like, "What is going on here? You guys are making a massive mistakes." But yeah. Anyway, we are approaching the end of the show, Jeffrey Benedict. Uh, is there anything you want to plug for the people? Uh, I just drew a complete blank on, on what I'm working on. Um, Vertex, I think, just came out on uh, Kella Witherspoon. Check that out. If you like him, uh, he, he, that's that's a Vertex look, look worth looking at. That's a player that the Steelers have to decide whether they want to bring back and how much they're going to pay him and stuff like that. Uh, so check that out. Yeah. Absolutely. Always great articles. And I want to remind everyone to click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Again, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And finally, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook right now, just know you're still only getting about a third of the podcast story from Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, Search wherever you get your podcasts from, um, be it uh, Spotify, uh, Pandora, Apple Music, what have you. Search Behind the Steel Curtain. Heck, you could probably just search Steelers and it'll be one of the first things to pop up and you can get all the uh, afternoon and morning shows from across the BTSC platform. So for my co-host, Jeffrey Benedict, my name is Michael Beck. You've been watching the curtain call and we'll catch you guys next week.